Hey everyone, welcome to the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. I'm Will Hobson. Uh, I've got Peter here with me. Uh, today we're going to be talking about foreign policy and how it affects us in different ways and maybe some of the ways we can uh, affect it back. So, um, I know Peter uh, has been uh, posting a lot of stuff about uh, recent uh, foreign policy news. Um, I don't know if he wanted, he's been probably following a little bit more closely than I have today, but had kind of a busy personal day. Uh, Peter, have you have, have you been, uh, are there any updates today that are important that we should know about? You're muted if you're talk if you're trying to talk. Well, I guess I'd just say that, uh, there are some recent developments, um, the Intercept has reported that U.S. troops are on the ground in Ukraine, which uh, is ki- kind of important um, if you are following this on Ukraine. Um, I guess I'd just say that uh, there's been a lot of developments as far as like this war has increased in, I don't know, um, development and Maybe like back to you, Will. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely continuing to ramp up. Uh, sides are continuing continuing to rattle their sabers louder and louder. I, I've uh, definitely feel like we're closer to midnight than we have been probably in my lifetime. Uh, although uh, maybe there were some years in the 80s that I don't remember super well because I was very young, but... Uh, certainly since the Cold War ended, this is probably one of the more touchy periods. And I am kind of flabbergasted by the amount of people who I don't like choose to let their particular, you know, proclivity to like supporting, you know, one side over the other, uh, let that kind of blind them to the risk of nuclear war and how, we'll all lose dramatically and how there's very, there's really nothing in this world uh, as important as avoiding it. Um, Even if you don't like the other side uh, and you think they're, they're awful. uh, I think nuclear war is still some, a specter of something that should, you know, temper everyone's anger and uh, should help us work towards, you know, a common goal where we can all survive. Um, I definitely feel yeah, like sorry, I guess I just wasn't ready to quite say yet, but uh I guess the developing news is that uh there are US forces on the ground. I guess uh, the the intercept has reported that there's not only CIA on the ground, but there is actually US special forces on the ground. So mm-hmm. this is a new development on like what we understand to be like this form of the war. Um so we have to think about like how would Russia or other states view this type of involvement. I mean, yeah, uh, I I honestly think that the whole the whole concept of a proxy war is is, is really just <laughs> it's a level of dishonesty with where you know your foreign policy is at where you're saying well we're not engaging with them we're engaging through this entity against this entity that's controlled by them 
because yeah, obviously we're not at war. Like, I don't think you could get a politician to say, well, like the too many politicians to say like outright, we're just at war with Russia because that has some, that maybe brings some responsibility onto their shoulders saying like, Oh, well, you got us into this position where now we're in war with Russia, whether Russia was bad or not, you're, you still, you still have like commanded the ship and are now at fault for getting us there. But if it's, uh, Russia is attacking Ukraine, it's like, well, how, how could that possibly be our fault? You know, <laughs> it's, um, even though, you know, we have clearly been heavily involved there in, in some ways that I think a lot of Americans aren't really cued in on because, of our really, really terrible controlled and captured, uh, corporate media. Um, I will definitely say that I feel like they do a really, the corporate media has been all of a sudden doing a really great job at covering, you know, like, you know, the day to day on the ground war in Ukraine, at least, you know, in a way that, you know, kind of advances their narrative. Uh, but man, if they had put like 10% of this effort into, and like, and then spread that out over the several years that the Yemen war has been going on, I feel like we'd, the, uh, the libertarian party's, uh, push to end the war in Yemen would be a lot further along. There'd be a lot more people, uh, aware and concerned about Yemen. Um, it's really just disgusting how, how focused the, you know, our, our, our our news narratives are towards uh, getting us to think one way or the other about a foreign conflict. And I even saw some people uh, online, you know, referring to people, you know, Russians as orcs, you know, so they can dehumanize them and, you know, bring them into, uh, you know, bring, you know, people uh, into a place where they, they're more comfortable with like the slaughter of other humans. And I, I think it sucks that both sides are, are, destroying each other and i want it to stop but uh, i'm just peacenik i guess but um yeah the episode today i wanted to talk about you know the ways like foreign policy foreign policy can affect even the person who is not in the military uh doesn't give a crap of what uh you know armies are doing in foreign lands uh you know the one that cares about the pebble in their shoe as uh the censor of Rome used to say, uh, those citizens that are completely checked out of, you know, any of the, you know, the high, high end, you know, foreign policy aspects of, you know, the, the government that rules over them, what, what they're up to. Uh, even that person I think is getting affected by foreign policy on a pretty profound level. Um, you know, one of the uh, examples, you know, that uh, is very recent and very hyper specific to Oregon uh, that uh, we'd like to bring up too is during the 2020 wildfires, the really, really bad ones that like took out, I think, I think the statistic was it took out like 10% of the forested area on the Cascade uh, Mountains in Oregon. It was just a ridiculous amount of uh, burn ha happening in a very short amount of time. And it, uh, if you weren't here in Oregon, you know, basically there were days where the, uh, the, the air quality index was like off the charts and it looked like there's just perpetual fog over everything. And it was like, you were in some kind of different dimension. It was, it was, it was really wild. Everyone was like sealed up in their house. We're like, we were literally putting tape up around our house to seal everything. But 
anyway, the, so just to give you an idea of how bad it was, because these wildfires got out of control, well, guess where our Chinook helicopters, which are these, you know, very large military grade double uh, propeller uh, helicopters that are capable of really tremendous amounts of lift. They can carry really heavy objects. They're typically used for uh, firefighting by, from our National Guard and one of our major forest fighting assets. Uh, guess where the vast majority of our Chinook helicopters were during, when that happened? They were in Afghanistan you know, when the the war was still going on there. Uh, and they weren't able to help put out the fires at a very critical time where they, they could have maybe gotten out a fire or two, or, you know, maybe they could have completely stopped, uh, you know, uh, a really bad one from getting out of control or giving people time to flee. Uh, but those, those assets from the National Guard were on the other side of the world. And uh, obviously, if the war in Afghanistan hadn't been a 20-year war, those theoretically, those assets would be here in Oregon able to protect us uh, instead of, you know, engaging in a military folly uh, of over two decades in <laughs> a part of the world many Americans probably can't find on a map very easily. But... Uh, that makes sense, and thank you for that. Uh... Here in the LPO, like public policy board, uh, we're trying to push some things. Uh, I think one of them is defending the guard. Like, uh, like you're just saying, like Oregon people out there, they're in the National Guard should not be fighting these type of fights. Like we should be defending Oregon and um, people like uh, Aiden uh, on our, our our board, like should be pushing things towards this. So. Uh, we hope to have a public policy board type thing where we're going to have an Oregon draft here that uh, Aiden has pushed forward here very soon. And, and Aiden is on the public policy board. He's one of the members of the the, the newly appointed public policy board. Uh, uh, great guy, Southern Oregon. Uh, definitely, I think, uh, agrees with that. Uh, just so people understand what the, the defend the draft or sorry, not defend the draft. Would never do that. Defend the guard uh, uh, is. Uh, did you want to say what it is, Peter? Or would you like me to? Uh, uh, we're talking about defend the guard. Yeah, no. I was just. I want to tell other. Pe I want to for people that don't know what it is. I wanted to explain what it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so defend the guard is basically yeah. a, a very simple piece of legislation developed by Dan McKnight. Uh, and who is a former uh, military officer who uh, basically tried to lobby uh, Congress to uh, for you know very similar measures like this and was denied and uh, basically sat down and developed this very simple piece of uh, legislation that actually most states could could probably very easily implement and essentially what it says is that the um the national guard cannot be called upon uh unless there's a or unless there's a declaration of war uh and it really ties the uh the hands of those who would i guess send our you know our our national guard assets into frivolous you know you know regime change wars 
uh, and really uh, makes it very difficult for them to, um, yeah, just take take advantage of those state assets, you know, that should remain in the states uh, and and serve their mission of defense. That's built into their name. Um, the uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember a specific aspect of this. Yeah, so the the idea being uh, that most politicians don't want to take responsibility for signing a full on constitutional declaration of war because they've abdicated a lot of their responsibility to the executive. Uh, and the, this is a way of kind of taking advantage of their shirking of their, their natural inclination to shirk their responsibilities because most politicians are like that. Uh, <laughs> they're the type of people that wouldn't uh, take responsibility for their actions. You know, if you know, if you haven't noticed politicians tend to never admit when they're wrong or very, very, very rarely they do. Uh, so uh, this takes advantage of that um, part of human nature, I guess, when it comes to the political arena and helps secure um, those National Guard assets and keeps them home for most situations. And uh, we want to, as the Libertarian Party, uh, take this legislation, find sponsors and try to push it forward in a lot of state houses so we can kind of rein back one of the ways we can rein back the American war machine before it does any more destruction or gets us all killed. So um, I know, Peter, earlier you uh, mentioned, uh, do we have any work uh, currently going on besides the Public Policy Board uh, with Defend the Garden Oregon? Have we uh, located any sponsors in the State House or in the Senate or any, any state-level politicians that are interested in sponsoring this? No sponsors just yet. I know that uh, Taylor Reiki, uh withdrew from his uh, state Senate seat and his competitor was very uh, good on this. Uh, I think that's something that we're pushing mm. like uh, on the state level. I mm. think there are, very, there are a lot of uh, uh, Republicans, I guess, and maybe some Democrats are interested in this legislation. So I think it's important that we, we push this. And I think that we if we get the right type of sponsorship, we could do this on the state level. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really hope that we can. I think it's, it, it's definitely an issue. I think that would span across the political spectrum, regardless of uh, how you feel. I think, uh, you know, about left versus right. I, I think a lot of people would like to, you know, the did not bring their children home in body bags or, or flag draped coffins and for these very frivolous wars when they could be home doing something much more heroic, like saving, you know, families from wildfires or floods or landslides, you know, like we could we have our own problems here in our state that uh National Guard is definitely uh well, you know, we're libertarians and we think that, you know, um government solutions to things are you know not the most efficient i definitely think that it, since we're already in a position where we we're going to pay for it no matter what uh i'd rather my money was doing benign things inefficiently than doing horrific things uh inefficiently so <laughs> uh i think that's always going to be kind of my position but um Makes yeah 
So yeah, uh, so maybe some, what are some other ways that I think that we could, uh, it, when we're trying to do outreach to people about, you know, why they should care about foreign policy, and there was some debate in the, the, in the state party about like leading with foreign policy or foreign policy matters not being the smartest way to reach like the average uh, voter. But um, maybe if we couched it in some ways that are very visible, very, there are some, some very currently pain points, what are some ways of which do you think foreign pol our foreign policy has affected the lives of average Oregonians? I mean, I think dollars, I guess, like, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, I think we've all experienced like the massive inflation that we've experienced over the last couple of years, but uh, in any way that affects us like specifically, um, I think it would be just the way we interact with like our, our regular selves, you know, like, are, are we okay with just being living in this insane world where uh, we're flirting with a nuclear war where this is just like the way we live now? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the nuclear war is, is definitely something that hasn't happened yet. So people aren't feeling the pain for it yet. But if they do, I mean, there's really nothing that will ever, you know, come close to it or, you know, it, it will it, there's nothing it's so on a on another level it there's no way to really i think communicate it to people in a way that's like helps them like really like seal it in just with words um i know that they used to run commercials like uh like the the, the daisy commercial do you remember uh did you ever see that it's from like the cold war era where there's like a little kid like picking flowers and like a mushroom cloud goes off and it like tries to scare people uh i think short of visual hyper visual messaging like that I, I think it's really hard to get people to wrap their minds around how terrible that could be and how they should maybe be a little bit more concerned in their political process but um you know one i think one of the ways we can definitely uh bring up is just like the price of you know energy right now you know our our foreign policy with Russia and putting sanctions on them and turning away this major energy exporter to uh, other power centers, you know, and, and customers, you know, in the world, you know, now Russia's shipping a lot of its energy to China and India and, and they're getting, they're getting that, that, uh, that boon from, from it. And uh, now Europe is, you know, starved for energy at the same time, uh, when they're still implementing a lot of their um, really horrific energy policy where they're shutting down nuclear power plants that are could provide power with them into the winter. They're doing all these like self-sabotage things. And if they were just okay with <laughs> Ukraine not being a part of NATO, uh, they would be able to heat their homes and people wouldn't be in these dire straits where they're burning their energy bills on the streets and refusing to pay. Um, it's just so it's, and, and, you know, we think because we're an ocean removed from Europe that like, oh, that stuff isn't going to affect us. Well, it will, because the entire world, you know, Europe is now bidding, you know, for, I guess the energy that's mostly available in the Western hemisphere right now, they're, they're going to be bidding for, you know, that natural gas at a, an astronomical rate. Uh, and because they just need anything and those, that extra bidding for up prices is going to hit us here because the energy we would have bought now Europe is trying to buy it from us. And now we have to pay more to get it. You know, it's like we are an interconnected 
international energy market. So that will still have a resounding effect. I mean, I was just reading that the price of coal uh, in like the last year and a half has gone up four times. This is the coal right now is at an all time high of like $200 a ton. It's a ridiculous amount uh, more than it, it costs before. And we will be affected by that. I mean, gas prices are already going up, even though they're depleting, you know, like five to seven, uh, I think it's five to seven million. Uh, or maybe I, I'll have to double check that, but it, it's, they are depleting um, massive amounts of oil from the strategic petroleum reserve, which people are now jokingly calling the strategic midterm reserve. Uh, because it's very clear that, you know, they're, they're pulling it out at a, an increased rate in order to get through the midterms at this point. But yeah, all these, all these things are bad They're They will affect the pocketbook of the average American. And I think the more that we can try to point to that and be like, Hey, these are the dominoes that fell that the final one that hit you in the face, you know, this is where it started. I think that's a really important uh, job of our of our party. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the thing is, like, uh, Germany is going through this like unique energy dependence system that I don't think they've ever experienced before. I mean, we are talking about a unique situation where they are they they don't have energy. I mean, like they had nuclear energy before, and then they had coal energy. So we are talking about a unique situation where there are actual municipalities that are talking about firewood like it is gold. And then it has become like the new, like unique form of like brown gold, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. But um, there are people that are going to freeze to death this winter in 2022 and this is a situation that I don't think that anyone has ever been in before. And what are we supposed to do with this? Realizing that there are German people that don't understand that this Ukraine war is happening. And furthermore, they don't understand like how it's developing. So like how, how are we supposed to understand and explain to them that this situation is developing to a point where they don't know how to heat their homes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's fuel for something. It's fuel for revolution. There's going to be a lot of, uh, I think a lot of violence and a lot of anger coming up in Europe's very not too distant future. Uh, and I, I generally don't want that. I, I, I would want a peaceful, dissolution of the system uh to something else but i definitely think the eurozone uh is going to be under tremendous strain um i i definitely applaud england for breaking off but it doesn't seem like they really took any uh material you know different approach you know being separate from europe uh, europe besides maybe not adopting the euro and uh, maybe some <laughs> maybe some vague you know, manufacturing or fishing rights, you know, gain, they're, they're going to be kind of, they're kind of all going to hell in the same handbasket. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, they're, 
you know, it it didn't have to be this way as like the you know the Ron Paul meme. <laughs> you know, I definitely think I maybe guess Scott Horton would have said, yeah, I mean, yeah, like maybe, Scott Horton definitely said that, but I, I definitely think it might be time to resurrect some uh, Doom Paul memes, uh, if uh, if nothing else, uh, make us you know give us a little bit of cathartic you know uh, cheer before you know things get much worse. And I, I time I, to talk about Nordstrom too. Yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah, we could talk about Nordstrom too. Um, I, I don't think Nordstrom uh, killed itself, so just want to say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> if they ever start trying to throw that out there, I didn't, like they obviously can't. There's a one. I think they said it was like a one kilometer sized hole now in the pipeline. Like it was a massive explosion. Apparently, the uh, the pipeline is protected in like a, a pretty large layer of concrete and it just got blown out uh and you know just like the, the you know the ancient you know you know roman ter- uh phrase you know cubona you know, like who benefits it's pretty easy to see who benefits and there was a side that threatened and there was a side that you know uh has the means and was in the area and it's 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 kind of insulting to all of our intelligence, I think, to be like, oh, yeah, no, the United States, no way. <laughs> uh, and maybe if it wasn't the United States, it's, uh, it's obviously, Poland you know, it's, it's some like NATO proxy. Yeah, well, yeah, at the behest of the, the, the I mean, uh, United Poland States had- Empire. You there? Hello? I think I lost Peter. Now I hear you. Okay, I hear you now too. Uh, you were about to say something about Poland. Yes, I mean we saw everything that uh, Dave DeCamp posted about, like, uh, thank you for us for doing this. We saw we all saw the screenshot. I mean, we saw what. Uh, Biden posted and Victoria Newland. I mean, there's there's clear motive here. I mean, yeah, and and if nothing else, if like let's say they didn't do it, and it was some like uh, Fasini esque figure who was like, I was just trying to start a war for like some weapon interest somewhere, and it wasn't the U.S. and and they did it. I think the moral of the story is maybe don't make vague threats, you know, and you won't be the the person, the suspicious person in the, the, uh, in the story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this will definitely affect the average person. I think, um, yeah, going forward, even the United States, all this stuff has a knock on effect as far as like the prices we pay for things and, you know, what we have to do. Um, I definitely have a couple other things I want to bring up, uh, but we have someone who will like to talk and I'm curious to see what they have to say. So uh, I'm going to take this person. Uh, go ahead, Joe, go ahead and mute your mic. Hey, Will. Hey, Peter. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, we can. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Good uh, discussion. Thoughtful. I really, um, uh, it's the first time I heard that um, with the uh, push for keeping our National Guard at home. What a great, um, just a huge shout out for that. I wanted to ask you guys if it was possible. I think Oregon is a voter initiative state. Could you get that on the ballot and would it have sticking power 
um, I'm calling to you from Arizona. I would love to see the same thing happen here. So, sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think we have uh, members of the, the Mises uh, Caucus in Arizona probably working on that already. But um, the uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I think we could definitely we could definitely try for that. Uh, it might be easier than trying to find um, our you know Republican or Democrat or someone in the legislature right now willing to willing to back it. Uh, it might end up. Yeah, it might just be easier to, you know, have it be a, a grassroots uh, campaign. Uh, I think the average person probably sees the wisdom in that, especially if we coach it in the, like, how this is how it benefits you uh, way. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, write that down. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was just going to say the the thing that I think people are about ready to get more fatigued on is like, you know, when we start like you know that like you guys are really bringing up some great points about uh we're about ready to walk into a bandsaw with uh gasoline prices and the emptying of the strategic uh petroleum reserve and you know that um man i'll tell you what and then uh saudi arabia cutting back uh today or yesterday um, yeah two, two, million, yeah. two million, million barrels a day yeah <laughs> yeah on, on a super tight market but i mean like God, you just, you look at how bad we, like, I just, I, I can't even, this is just such engineered stupidity on our behalf. 52% of our um, oil exports are going out of this country. Um, so we've got this weird dance going on with oil. We export it and then we import some and, I, you know, I just, um, I think people are going to be growing fatigue of that and, uh God, you made that joke about the election, uh, strategic election reserve. Yeah, strategic midterm reserve. Yeah, but yeah, you could call it election. Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised yeah. they haven't used it more in the recent past, but. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're getting uh, crunched on commodities, um, too. Uh, you know, I'm a gardener, and, um, well, I'll tell you what, you want to get freaked out, go buy fertilizer. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've been seeing it go up over the past uh, couple of years, even like before this, like last year or two, like during the pandemic, you know, there the supply chains for like potash and stuff. It was just, just up and down. It was like a roller coaster. It's yeah. very, um, yeah, I, I I am one of those people that was uh, I don't have very much money. I'm not really in the stock market, but I'm super interested in it. So I'm kind of one of those uh, people like doomed to watch and like not be able to participate. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty wild. I, I, I share that same weird fascination. So move over and make room for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for uh, calling yeah. in. Uh, yeah, you yeah, guys. Good, you guys take really care. great points. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Uh but yeah, uh, you know, one other thing, uh, you know, since we're talking about Defend the Guard, something I wanted to bring up, something I think that definitely affects uh, us here in Oregon is, you know, the, you know, the opioid crisis uh, and the fact that, you know, we have a big homeless crisis here in Portland. And I definitely have seen and met a lot of homeless people in Portland that are like, they're clearly ex-vets and, you know, sending these people off into wars and, you know, the meat grinder of, you know, you know, what, whatever, you know, terrible conflicts we send them into, they definitely come back broken, uh, addicted to drugs, you know, very 
you know, heavy psychological uh, problems and they're, our government definitely does a poor job of taking care of the, the vast amount of people that, that need it. And, you know, I think in the last 20 years, you know, we've lost, you know, many times more, you know, military members to uh, suicide than we, I think we've lost at all to like violent death in combat or complications from injuries in combat. Um, and, and I think it's like over a hundred thousand now in the last 20 years. And it's just a heartbreaking number. And uh, those that don't haven't killed themselves, you know, end up, you know, on the streets, you know, part of our homeless population. And it really, you know, I, I really think that, you know, supporting the warfare state and supporting the military industrial complex is definitely a sign of a lack of empathy for people. Like this is, there's all these terrible knock on effects and, it's really hard to understand like what this level of military spending and involvement does that's beneficial to us. Uh, besides, you know, it makes, you know, maybe some fleetingly good campaign points and maybe wins a politician an election. Maybe it makes us a couple of corporations rich and uh, it's such a little, such little gain for so much loss. It's, um, it's it's i think it's definitely uh, a good idea maybe we should look into whether you know defend the guard can be uh put in as an initiative um i think that's something our party could definitely uh be the vanguard on and uh you know do a lot of good for our state um yeah uh i don't know if i have too much more to to share did you want to bring anything up peter before we ended it no, I think I think I'm good. I mean, I think we've pretty much said everything. Yeah. Well, uh yeah, just wanted to say uh yeah, thank you all for joining us. Um we're definitely again uh we're j- we I wanted to say last time we were on the eve of having the for- uh the the foreign policy uh sorry, not the foreign policy, the public policy board all set up and starting to put out public policy statements. The public policy board is now operational and it is operating in the background and it is getting ready uh i think very soon to release some some awesome public policy statements you know and uh, start to you know have our party make some um you know really start to you know shout our uh our ideas uh on a you know larger you know megaphone and uh i definitely think we're going to be getting very soon our state affiliates to kind of do the same and uh, i i that should be happening probably, uh, if not by the next podcast, at least by the one after, uh, we should really start to be seeing some changing in the uh, Oregon messaging. So I'm looking forward to that. Going to look into the, uh, yeah, that idea that Joe left about the Defend the Guard initiative. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, just FYI, I, I do a lot of these projects. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not uh, working directly for the Libertarian Party of Oregon. Um, I am just kind of a, a guy that likes to do a lot of things for Liberty. So if you like to, we'd like to support someone like, uh, doing all these things like podcasts, you know, initiatives and stuff like to fund a full-time activist in Oregon. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can support me. You can, uh, donate at strike.me slash Will Hobson. You can donate Bitcoin or, uh, 
fiat dollars there. Uh, if you want to just uh, use a credit card, make it super easy. If you go to buymeacoffee.com slash Will Hobson, I can also take some donations there. It keeps me from going back to bartending, which would take me away from all these important projects, which I really want to work on. Uh, so uh, if you do that, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week. Take care. Cheers.